severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I am of course your host Jamie McKinley and we have an absolute belter of an episode in store for you today. But before I introduce that, I just have a few things I just wanted to quickly say. So firstly, I would just like to give a massive shout out to one of our patrons and a good friend of mine, Connor Borthwick, who got married the other day. So a massive, massive congratulations to you and Kirsty. I was really, really fun to attend your wedding as well. And I'm just really happy for you guys. So there you go. You get a shout out on the podcast. I really appreciate all the support you've given us over the last eight months as well with your very, very generous donation. So thanks for that. And secondly, on Saturday... We recorded our first ever live podcast in front of an audience, which was just incredible. So thank you to everyone that came to see that. And thank you to the Scottish Youth Film Foundation for having us. It was a great day. We got to interview Sarah Vickers and Amdi Rovme, who are both very well-known Scottish actors. And it was just a really, really good experience. And it was so nice to do that in front of an audience of aspiring young filmmakers. It was a very, very special moment for us and a big landmark at the podcast. So I'm very, very excited for you to all hear that episode in a couple of weeks. But now, without much further ado, I'm just going to get in and introduce this week's guest. And speaking to us on the podcast this week is none other than Scottish actor Jane McCary. Now, a lot of you might know Jane for her iconic role as Isa in Still Game. She's also been in lots and lots of other things. And we had a great laugh recording this one. Jane was so funny. She had lots of great stories. And she was very, very honest about her experiences as an actor. So I hope you enjoy this one. And also a massive shout out to my Granny Jones, who I know will be listening to this one as well. Anyway, episode 53 with Jane McCary. Here we go. Hi, Jane. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Really much appreciated. That's a pleasure, Jamie. You're technically the first person I've had on that's, that's actually family as well, which is a, which is a you know it's a first. That's right. I know. I just said that to you. You've got your granddad's chin and dimple, <laughs> same <laughs> as me. I know. We've got the same. It's great. It's great. Well, I mean, I'm, some of our listeners might know you already. Obviously, you're probably best known for playing eyes and still game, or you're on me too. Is it Granny Jean as well? Which I remember my little brother watched. I think that's the yeah, name. Granny Murray. That's Granny right. Murray. That's yeah, the one. Yeah, that's right. I, I was yeah, too old. Granny for it. I was too old for it, but I remember my little brother watching it. So I vaguely oh, remember. It's an unfortunate time. <laughs> Till now, Jamie. I know. I was, think, I was thinking that doing my research. I know. Oh. <laughs> just don't put a hashtag in front of it. Just keep it yeah. at me too. Keep it. Yes. You know, yes. Sort of just to, to, to cast your mind a long, long way back. The sort of first question I ask all the guests in the podcast is like, do you remember like what your sort of earliest creative memory is? So do you remember when you first sort of thought you might want to be an actor or just the first time you were creative as a child? I think probably I, I do remember. I always loved like doing dancing shows and things, and I was terrible at dancing. But, you know, I remember waving out to the audience and I remember being excited about the audience being there. And then when I was maybe about eight, I was Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio. (laughs) And 
I remember Clark Crosby, God be good to him, who was playing Pinocchio, and he had this big nose and an elastic. And I remember when I was singing, you know, always let your conscience be your guide. And I was waggling my finger and I accidentally knocked his nose off. So it was coming out the side of his face. And I remember, this is weird, I remember it got a laugh from the mm. audience. And I went, oh, and so Clark put his nose back on straight again. And then I waited till later on. And the second time I did it, I did it deliberately. Oh. I knew it would get a laugh. And I remember the minxing and Clark went off crying. It was a shame. But oh. <laughs> he's probably traumatised for life. But I remember the power and the excitement of feeling that, I don't know, it's like the, almost like the control of knowing if I do this, it will get this response. And feeling that laugh gave me such mm. a buzz so i do remember that actually yeah and you were eight that was a good turning that... point about eight i think yeah yeah and i think that was a turning point for thinking i really enjoy this but not really knowing nobody in the family nobody that i knew really had that kind of career so i didn't know how that was possible it's school doing school shows and things but still not really knowing mm. nobody could help you they just kept saying but what do you really want to be would you not fancy social work yeah. <laughs> and every, everything was always tight yeah that's really great but and fair enough. But then I played in a band called Hyperactive and <laughs> girl who was older, she was a lead singer and she went to Queen Margaret College in Edinburgh to do drama, which is obviously where you went to Queen Margaret. Yeah. And that then seemed possible that she was doing that. So I thought, oh, I'm going to apply for that too. So I did a left school, I did a year at Clyde Bank College, which was great fun, really, really fun. And I remember we were doing Once a Catholic, God forgive me, I stole the nun's outfit and raised money in Clyde Bank Shopping Centre with a can and then took that money and went out to the dancing that night. That was really, really illegal as well, really poor behaviour. I was only 17, but still, uh. 17 year old did that, I would be so angry. Anyway, so that was fun. Then I went to Queen Margaret and then from then just kind of got work. Yeah, well, you're you're the people at Queen Margaret. I meant to say as well before I start, but they they really like push that you went there a lot. You come up a lot in classes. They always mention some of the people that were at their uni, and you're one of the names that always always come up. (laughs) So people that did a lot better than me, actually, Ashley Jensen, she did super well, and she's been in tons of stuff, and also. Oh, no, he's a few years below me. Oh, there's been loads of people, actually, that have done really yeah. well. And he's been amazing. He was a guy, you know, the guy in Rome, the blonde hair, and he's in yeah, um, yeah. Grey's Anatomy. And, oh, what was his name just going right out of my head? I, I can't he's remember. Done, I know I can't, I know the face. He's done incredibly yeah. well. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a good, it's a good, I mean, it's obviously become became a uni and stuff uh, when I was there, but I mean, it's a good school. And we'd had a few people on the podcast that went there as well, so. Yeah, massive, massive shout out to them as well, Queen Margaret. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I think Mark and I, like, we've done well just kind of in Scotland, but I think we were kind of more like ordinary. You know, we were like the Ouija's <laughs> that were always carrying on and, yeah. you know, we were sort of different. <laughs> so I think maybe Ashley was far more driven and sort of a kind of different mindset. Mm. Oh, that's so annoying that his name's going out of my head. Oh, that's fine. I, if I remember it. later, I'll, I'll put a wee interlude and, and I say know, because he's <laughs> that's right, because he is really talented. He's fabulous. Yeah. He's done well. Oh my God, he's that that's him now, you know, mm-hmm. he's directed and everything. Hello, it's future Jamie here. Just to quickly say that the name of the actor, neither me or Jane could remember, um, was Kevin McKidd. And an extra little bonus fact for y'all, he also played uh, Tommy in Trainspotting, which I did not realise. So there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. I, I really enjoyed it. There's a guy there called Clive Perry, and he was cruel and he was brutal. 
but oh my god he knew his stuff and he got me he used to run Putlockery Festival Theatre as yeah. well so not long after I left drama school I got a job at Putlockery and funnily enough I've just done the season there as well I've just finished <laughs> this year too so it's like you know right back round and, and he got me into Putlockery and I remember I got a week's work while I was at Putlockery while we were rehearsing and it was with the comedy unit and it was to do a thing called Pulp Video. Now, mm-hmm. Pulp Video, we only did one series and this was just a pilot to see how it would go. And I'd signed up to do nine months at Putlockery and he said to me, no, I'll let you out of the contract. You cannot lose this week. And I said, but Clive, I need the money. And I loved it at Putlockery. I loved it this year too. And I said, no, 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 I'm not giving up nine months work for a week and he went, yes, you are, because wow. that week could change your life. And that week we did the pilot for Pulp Video. Ford, Kiernan, Greg Hemphill mm. were in Pulp Video, Julian Immel, Gavin Mitchell, all those people. Ronnie and Kona had a wee bit in it. Parrot, there was loads of people yeah. from tons. And that tiny wee job, which I thought was nothing, opened so many doors. So he was right, actually. That then led to loads of different jobs with Comedy Unit. And then that led to, well, we did a series of pulp video and then I did tune the fat radio shows and then we mm-hmm. did still game. And that, that's so how that came about. Yeah. That mentally, that little one thing like that can like lead mm-hmm. on. You never know that like, if, you know, little decisions, because you, you, you might have thought of stay at Pit Lockery for those nine months and you never know that could have worked out as well, but you, like it might never have led on to like the opportunities you got. That's well. right. And I, I did manage to do both, which was brilliant. But even the fact that he was so good and I, I don't think he would have let me out the contract if I'd yeah. been an actor he didn't know, but because I'd been at drama school with him, you know, and, and his experience, he knew that a tiny wee job like that could just make all the difference. And in fact, I've just been working with a guy called Alex Ferns doing an Amazon job. He was my husband and he was Trevor the baddie in EastEnders <laughs> years ago, but he's done hundreds of stuff. Yeah. And he did loads of stuff, loads of West End stuff then up here. He was never City wee bit as well. And then he went for the edition for Chernobyl. Mm. It wasn't a huge part, but it was a significant part. And again, from that one thing, it's just like, you know, I can't compare what I've done up here. You know, still gave me some, it's been great and all of that, I can't compare. Like, but with him getting the Chernobyl, then boof, he's got Batman and, you know, wow. massive stuff, Star Wars. And so, you know, but he would never think just going in for that one wee edition would completely mm. transform his life and his career. And, and it yeah. doesn't even need to be in film and theatre, whatever in life, you know, you should take every opportunity that comes your way because if it's a job doing anything, you might meet somebody that you love and it's a lifelong friend. <laughs> that in itself, what a gift. You just met somebody that you love. You go, I hadn't taken that job. I'd never have met you and we would never have had the good times we've had. And so that would be my thing. Take yeah. everything you can get. Never worry. You'll never regret anything. I wholly believe that with my heart. Even if it's a disaster and I've had plenty of disasters, I've laughed and sometimes... I've done a job and it's been a disaster. That's where you've had the best times. I remember doing a job where I was at a horse and I used to have to take my tights home to wash the gusset <laughs> every night because we actually, literally, that was even before our children, pissed ourselves laughing every single day. And it's like, you can't even buy that joy. It's the no. best ever. 
it makes it worth doing it yeah that's absolutely that's great for um you know younger actors that maybe listen to the podcast and just younger people in general in the industry to hear because it's all i mean you've got to make it a laugh it can be a difficult profession to be in in the creative industries so if it's not a laugh then you probably go a bit mad as well to be honest absolutely um, it's, it's hard work long hours and it's difficult because you don't know when you're getting working mm. you know you, you have to be able to be flexible just about everybody i know has been working doing all sorts of jobs yeah. to survive through you know covid and lockdown and things and you know it, it is difficult because especially if you're in a job where you get a wee bit of fame and recognition and then you get nothing again what are you supposed to do not eat not pay your bills no you go and do whatever job you can and then it's like people go no what are you doing this for were you not blah blah well no I'm just a person that has to earn yeah. a living and and I'll do whatever I can and the more grounded you are and the more you work in the real world and the more you're connected to the real world I think the better you are observing people and being able to do your job properly it, it must be really difficult for people well, it's amazing, but you know, for people who kind of get themselves into a situation where they cannot connect with ordinary folk anymore, yeah, no, because it's, everywhere yeah. they go, somebody's taking a selfie or somebody's filming them or somebody, you know, I think that would be really, really difficult. Yeah, and a lot of like musicians and, and actors and stuff always will say that like they actually struggle to write songs or like be as good as they were because they were writing from that experience of where they came from or and who they were and then when they sort of are living in this detached reality almost of fame and stuff they really struggle to like connect again absolutely absolutely because when you're hungry and raw and young and struggling to find your way it does bring out a lot of good and I think Mm. it must be like you know maybe for children of people who are extremely famous and extremely wealthy it must be so hard for them to carve out their own path to not have that hunger to not always be compared to their parents or said oh she's only got that job because her dad's whoever or you know I, I think we think people's lives are easy just because they've got money but somebody quoted something recently I thought it was great it said it's so sad they're so poor all they have is money and I think that's really the truth oh, no, nobody absolutely. wants to be skint being skint's misery god I've been totally skint and <laughs> I remember we went to Maisie McCarricker so many times I've literally had nothing and she would visit my mum and she would give me a wee tenner and I'd be like that oh thank you and that we tenor would get you through the week you know yeah long time ago of course tenor wouldn't get you very far Jamie but in those days a tenor could get you quite far Uh, yeah and I think you know there's like there's a great joy in that as well absolutely but not forever you know when you can't pay your bills and you know you can't afford Christmas visit you you know there's no two ways about it but I think to have have experienced it to have experienced it is really good I mean I remember like a time where I was like mum dad I can't like afford right you're really embarrassed to go and and say that like you you know but you learn from it as well and I think it actually makes you a better person as well because it makes you appreciate the little things more well having to work as well yeah Mm. because I've said to my boys well most people my age you got a job when you were 14 the day you got your national insurance number through you 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 got a job you were desperate to get a job you know so I think for my boys out working now although they're at college and school and stuff it it does give you a good work ethic because like Alexander said to me yesterday can you order a pizza mum now occasionally I'll order a pizza on a Friday night because it's October week it was three o'clock on a Monday so I said yeah of course I said no problem so I had a pound pizza that I had from Iceland in the freezer so I cooked the pizza then I rang the bell and I said to him that's the pizza here oh my god <laughs> and then I put the pizza that. on a plate on the doorstep so anyway down he went is this a joke mum I'm like no it's not a joke that's it what is it it's a Monday afternoon eat it or don't eat it I don't care but you know, there's no chance and you know Brilliant. because he's earning 
and he's working hard for a tenner, all of a sudden, hmm, you know, him paying for it is, is quite hard. He's worked mm. hard for a full hour, whereas when it was me buying it, oh, it's nothing, Mum. Friday night, <laughs> we have a pizza. Well, we can have a pizza, a pound, and that'll do you. Like it or lump it. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, just as well to quickly wind back as well, something we like to ask everyone is about where they're from and how that sort of influenced them. So, and I know you'd actually spoke as well about how like speaking to local older people in like Rutherglen and stuff influenced Isa's character a lot. So like how did growing up there like affect you as a person and as a creative? Yeah, I think because my mum and dad were older and I was an only child, they never really had nights out, mum and dad, but oh, they were in a bowling club or something or the railway club. My, my dad was a driver. But I wasn't at that, but they would have loads of nights in the house with friends mm. around and they were all older. So like my wee Auntie Maisie that gave me a tenor, my nag was great, Auntie Maisie McKerica, great wee Uncle, Uncle Harry. You know, there's so many of my mum and dad's pals that were just the nicest people and real characters. Mm. And I think my Auntie Jean Smith certainly influenced eyes as well. So I think just friends and family that would come round and then just being part of the kind of community. I love, I've always loved that. Listen to folk on the bus, listen yeah. to people, going places. You know, I remember a few times going to the bingo. I wasn't interested in playing bingo, but I loved just <laughs> going and listening and watching, you know, just anywhere where you could pick up wee bits. And I, ju- I just love that. It just makes like real conversations really, really make me laugh more than gags. Like Mrs. Robertson, who I visited, I was telling you about her before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. She's 90 and she said to me, this was in the summer that the doctor had gave her pills to make it sunny. And I'm like, mm, the doctor gave you pills to change the weather. Aye. And I went, Mrs. R, I don't even know what you mean. How could the doctor give you pills to make it sunny? But I don't know, but that's what he said. I went, show me the pills. And it was vitamin D tablets. Oh, <laughs> so the doctors actually said, I'll give you these to replace because she's not been oh. out to replace the sun so she's oh, like that, replace the sun so in her whatever she thought it was going to make it sunny which we would all be getting those pills and we could make it sunny in Scotland oh it'd be amazing uh, yeah it's just like oh I don't know I just I love their chat and I've always loved it and I've always found it genuinely entertaining yeah. and so warm and so real and you know such a, a big part of my life and it's mm. I, I do find it hard now that a lot of those people have gone yeah 85% of them have gone now and there's nothing that fills that hole no absolutely it's so unique as well i think there's something really specific about the west coast of scotland because obviously i've got a lot of family from from over there on my grand side and things particularly and there is something so unique about that sort of culture and like the way that they just sort of they're just invincibly born almost like they're just so strong and they don't even necessarily all have a lot, but they're so strong and they appreciate it so much. And they just they always have a laugh. I know my dad would never have, wait. my dad used to walk miles up until he was, God, about 92 or something. And he would walk at least a mile because a loaf was two pence cheaper in this shop. And then he'd walk <laughs> away back down to another shop because it was three pence cheaper for whatever pint of milk or, you know, I'll remember once getting in a taxi and he was in a bad mood and he was having a heart attack. And there was problems with, I don't know, it wasn't striking, but there was some kind of problem at the time with the ambulance and we couldn't get an ambulance. He was literally having a heart attack and I'd come in from a night out and I'd been drinking so I couldn't drive. And we phoned a taxi and he was furious that I'd got a taxi. I'm like, Dad, you're having a heart attack. So he would never, 
I think when you've been brought up, he was in a room and kitchen, there was 10 of them in total. And I think when you've known genuine, real hard times, you, you just would never waste anything. No, absolutely. Definitely. It sort of makes you a certain way as well, I guess. Well, just to, like to sort of go back to like well, after the pop video stuff and obviously like you get the still game job and things like Do you remember like when that first happened? What did you think about the show at the time? And I mean, it must have been really exciting to sort of be working on TV for, and as like an actor and stuff. It was. It was really good fun. You know, there was loads of different week kind of jobs and there was there was a lot of work at that time and a lot of things were happening. But when you're in the middle of something, it's different to what it seems like from the outside looking in. So we were all really hopeful and all really excited and and I'd, I'd been doing loads of theatre and things as well. And then I decided that I'd like to have kids. So I went back to Jordan Hill to do a teaching postgrad mm. thing for secondary, which was a godsend for many years on and off. So I did that and then they were doing Tune the Fat and then Tune the Fat took off and I'd had a baby yeah. and I thought oh no that's just my <laughs> luck and you know it wasn't part of the video it was Tune the Fat and then Greg's wife Julie Greg Hempel's wife Julie she came to see me and I had mastitis and I felt so ill and I was greeting oh. and she had to get me down to the doctors and I was like Julie I don't feel well and this is a disaster and everything just seemed rubbish and, and when we came out of the doctors she said to me right if I tell you something she said don't tell him of course it was Isaac time and she said but she said don't worry everything's going to be okay she went the boys are writing a new show it's called Still Game and she went Jane they're writing an amazing part she went oh, you're going to love it she went stop greeting Pull yourself together. I'm telling you, everything's going to be okay. Have faith. And then it, and then it was. So, but she really made a difference that day because it was like when you've had a baby and you're feeling really low and you're you're not sleeping and you're ugh, it just everything seemed rubbish. You know, not that it wasn't amazing to have this gorgeous wee baby. That sounds terrible because he's just you know the boys, of course, are the absolute joy in your life. But at that moment when you've literally had one hour sleep for about four weeks in a row and yeah. you just can't even get to clean your teeth or wash your hair, but the baby's crying and, oh, everything just seemed so mm. bleak. But anyway, it all turned around. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, obviously it's your first, like, sort of first big role, but you, when Stillian took off, did it, like, feel like your life had changed a lot or did you, because I know you'd, you're no, very No, because nobody there. ever recognised any of us. <laughs> yeah, just sort of, and do you think that made it easier to sort of stay grounded as well, though? Absolutely. Nobody mm. recognised you. The money was rotten. I get more <laughs> money teaching. So, no, nothing changed. Nothing yeah. changed. Yeah. A lot of people talk about that, though, and they do something where they're not knowing. But they actually prefer it because they get to do the work. But then they're also like, you know, they can kind of have a normal life, which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, that that was a good thing. I mean, people have been lovely and I, and I never mind people coming up and chatting and things. It's great. But, you know, it was a joy because the boys were young and, and then I did the granny money me too thing. Yeah. And that was kind of a bit more recognisable, especially because I had the boys. <laughs> But no, that was fine as well. No, I've, I've never found that difficult. I think if you have a level of fame where, you know, you genuinely can't go anywhere or it's very difficult or people are constantly taking selfies or taking a picture, that would be really challenging. I've always loved, like my dream would be like that would be Amazon job that I've just done tons of wee jobs like that where you come you go you do your bit you come back home you know it's, it's just all different wee jobs that challenge your character parts interesting parts you're always used to look at somebody called Celia Emery she did a wee bit in still game now Celia Emery is now I would say really really well known 
But at the time when she was younger, she just got loads of wee great parts, but yeah. still kind of kept under the radar. And I just think, oh my God, I would love that. That would be the best kind of job for me. Mm. Just getting to do like, go and meet new people each time and do little things and get into, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's I can see the appeal of that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Well, I have another couple of questions just on the Still Game thing, which one of them is like, do you, do you have a favourite episode of Still Game that stands out to you? No, not really, because I think when you're in the inside, again, mm. it's like, it's, it's filmed, it's called multi-episodic which you'll obviously yeah. know about that but maybe not everybody listening will so you would film all the shop in one week and then all the yeah. pub in a week or 10 days away so you're not filming it like an episode at a time yeah. so it's like you've had a brilliant day and that was great but maybe within that day you filmed three different episodes yeah. so it's kind of hard as a somebody watching it there's so many different ones that I've, I've loved I really I re- it really would be and there's so many of them as well I think it would genuinely be impossible to say yeah that's true I did I'd suppose I didn't consider that that like, you're not going to be filming them in one one go, so it sort of comes all jumbled as well, almost. Yeah, yeah. What was that day? What was that episode? What was that? Yeah, I never know. <laughs> I know, and it was. I mean, some of it was a long time ago as well. To be fair. Oh like, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nearly twenty years ago. Yeah. yeah, probably twenty years ago actually. Yeah. You might not know it, but there is a code to being a gab shite: births, deaths, cheating, drink problems. That's all gossip. Surprise birthday presents are secret. Immune. Good. What's keeping you, Jack? Victor, I know something you don't know. Oh, for God's sake, Isa. Did I say anything about Victor's birthday? No. What's this? Nothing. Doesn't sound like nothing. It's no nothing. It's a good thing. Will you shut your hole? Oh, come on. You know I don't like surprises. What's going on? What's going on? I am sailing. I am sailing. Well, one, another thing I was reading when I was researching for our conversation today was about like the hydro shows and how, like you said, that was one of the best moments of your career when you were like looking out at the audience and stuff. Yeah. There's no question about that. There's several moments really stick in my head that I absolutely loved about the hydros. But the best ever was Sanjay and I, the poop deck at the end. So the whole show was finished. And it's like, you know, there's always a post-second still game. So after yeah. the credits, do, 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 and then there's always a wee bit. So that was it. The curtains were taking our bows. And then we had to run up these tiny wee stairs and go onto the top of the poop deck. So we only had half a dozen lines, but you couldn't even say your lines for people screaming. Like you could feel it in your chest, your body. Everybody screamed, screaming, screaming, screaming. And to, to not laugh as well when people are doing it, because it was just like, oh my God, this blew your mind. Uh, it was just so exciting. And then I was supposed to be like feeling like Beyonce with the wind and it, like it was like the Titanic and it was do, 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 do. So and there I was in this most wonderful romantic moment with a wind machine in my face. I had to say, my eyes are bone dry. And then Sanj <laughs> got me this gorgeous picture and it's like the ship with my eyes are bone dry on it. I've got it I mean, up my- <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's like, I'm so glad he got me that because the memory of that show and that moment particularly, he used to hold on to me from behind because he used to have to try and push me up to stand up. And that was mm. the thing that I couldn't quite manage to get up. And he would be gripping on to me and we were literally <laughs> holding on to each other for grim death, you know, just thinking, oh my God. Oh, I wish I could bottle that, but I'll never forget how wonderful that was. I'll always be grateful to Ford and Greg for that. Like, it was the most amazing moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's such a well loved, it's like an institution in Scotland. Like, you know, I, I, I'm always arguing with telling English friends to watch it, but they just, a lot of the time, they just don't get it, sadly. And I'm always like, but it's so good. Do you know what I mean? It's but very it's, culty. It's like mm. a real cult following in like places where there's expats. 
So in areas of down south, it's really popular. And I took the boys. We went to New York, God, before this whole miserable COVID thing happened. So we just finished the hydro and I'd always wanted to take them. And it was my 50th birthday the following year. But So it was my 49th. And I went, let's go for my 49th. I mean, imagine we hadn't. We'd never. <laughs> that, was, that was very good forward yeah. planning that. <laughs> yeah. My 50th birthday, literally friends came and stood at the gate and would put a present <laughs> on the doorstep and leave. Oh, even no. have them in my house on my 50th birthday. It oh, was dear. so rubbish. But anyway, and we went to New York and this policeman met us in New York and their precinct and used to have a still game night every Thursday. Oh, amazing. And, yeah, they took us all around New York and showed us like oh, wow. just all the different places and all the places where you wouldn't normally get to see and told us stories about things that happened here or things that happened there. And it was like, and they were all still game daft. And it was because <laughs> there was some ex-Scots that had gone over and were working and they'd got the Irish folk into it and then they'd got the sort of proper New Yorkers into it. And they used to like dress up and everything. The characters, it was bizarre. <laughs> so, wow. It's just so wild being in New York yeah. and getting spoiled because of still game. It was fabulous though. Yeah. Well, me and my old colleagues, oh, you and the rest of the still game team, like so much because when I worked as a carer for, for years, we had a really challenging guy. And the only way we could get him to behave or not go mental was just we put still game on all day and he would just watch <laughs> it. But you could get to a point where you'd saw the same episode so many times. I mean, I think it's so rewatchable to be personally, so I don't mind it, but it was honestly just watch it all day. All day. <laughs> like... I know. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird. It is. I think it is strange how people do watch it over and over. And maybe see every night going to bed, they'll watch a wee episode. And I don't know how long that'll last for, but it's a real privilege to have been part of that show. Yeah. And I do feel really proud of, not me, but like the boys and what, and you know, it's 20 years Yes, there was break in between. We weren't always together. But, you know, I do think of them as my family. And yeah, I can't remember who said this. Was it Gavin or Stange or somebody? When we were doing the hydro, it was like being in a band. Nobody else knows how that feels. And it was such a risk, that first hydro. It could have been a total disaster doing a show in a venue yeah. like that. So it was really brave to do it for Ford and Greg to do that. And like to hear the da 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 when we were backstage. It was so loud. It was so exciting. And I remember saying to Mark, oh my God, Mark, what if I forget? What if I, you know, which I've never felt before. And Mark went, Jane, it doesn't matter. We can do anything in these clothes. You know this woman, you know? And I thought, yeah, yeah good. We know these people inside and out. I've never felt so comfortable. I almost feel like it's just me now being Isa. <laughs> There's hardly, you know, it really yeah. is. And, and it was, it was just, we, we, every character that came out everybody went mental you couldn't even speak for ages it was so good yeah but nothing can last forever and it's right that it comes to an end no and I've, and the, the ending was I, incredible it was incredible like I mean I, I was very emotional watching that I thought it was one of the I loved the end how they ended it yeah because yeah. that's what happens that's what happened to my mum that's what happened to my dad yeah. that's what happened to my Agnes my Maisie my Jean every one of them they faded away they they gradually in fact, a doctor said to me recently, you know, that you stop being able to digest food properly. So yeah. you don't really want to eat because you can't digest it properly. So you're already usually by that point quite thin and you, you don't eat, your body starts to shut down and you kind of fade away. And so I think it was just lovely that that's what we did. There was yeah. no big drama. We just all faded away. And it's like in your street, you go, oh, remember Mrs. So-and-so? Somebody goes, oh, yeah. No one really knows what happened to her. You just heard one day that she died. Maybe yeah. she'd gone into a home. Maybe she died in the house. Maybe she'd been in a hospital. But there was no big drama. She was very old and she yeah. faded away. 
and that's unfortunately what happens and it's mm. it's scary as well and yeah but at the same time like i know with the people because as i say there's 80 percent of them are away now and i've not seen any fear when they get to that point they're ready to go and, yeah. and, and their time's up kind of thing so i think it was really well done i, oh, I really do beautiful yeah i was no it was an incredible ending yeah um, I'm still feel, getting feel a bit sad now thinking about that though. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> well, um, well, I've kind of got. I mean, there's loads of stuff I could have, I could say and ask you, but um, I've got a few sort of like these are just sort of more broad, funner questions. The first one is sort of is like, who are your biggest influences as an actor and stuff? Like, who do you look up? I think to? with comedy growing up, definitely, I loved the two Ronnies and I loved Laurel and Hardy. Absolutely mm. loved that. Which ironically, there's so many crossovers between them and still game with Jack and Victor and everything. Yeah, you know, it's it's bizarre. But definitely that when I was growing up and there were so many different TV shows that I enjoyed watching and so many different performers that I loved. But the biggest influence was definitely the family and the people in my life, far more than anybody on TV. Yeah, that's actually a really lovely answer to that question, which is I'm glad you answered it like that. Because, you know, obviously a lot of people always talk about the people they watch and stuff, but it's, it's always nice when people say, say like it was the people around them in their real life. Yeah, yeah it was the humour, the sort of Glasgow humour and the rhythm of the humour and the, the yeah. pattern of speech and things. That, as I said before, that's what always really sort of tickled me, just yeah. the way people speak. I love that. And another one is, is there a film from history that if you could have been a star in it or been in it, what, what film would that be? Oh, God, these questions are so <laughs> hard. I'm putting you on this farm, so it's too early. I know, these questions are so hard. Is there a film that I would think, oh, I'd love to be in that film? I would probably have to be The Wizard of Oz, mm. even if I could just be like a flying monkey. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer yeah and it's sort of like something else we ask everyone that comes on the podcast is we sort of ask like is there like a creative failure that you've had in your life that you'd really learn from because i think something we talk about is like on this podcast that you know we all learn from failures and they can be a positive thing as well so is there like something in your career that, that you maybe didn't do as well that you'd really learned from i think you do that all the time i think mm-hmm. there's so it doesn't need to be big massive things but i think on every job i think even every night if you're doing a play or you're doing a show like suddenly you go oh god i said that line in a completely different way and that makes much more sense why have i never thought of that before why have i never said it like that from the beginning <laughs> then you feel annoyed at yourself that you've just discovered it so whether it's a tiny thing like that where it's like you improve as it goes on or sometimes you do a show and you're in your own head and you go i was rubbish tonight and then somebody goes that's the best that's ever been and you think what that's the worst it's ever been i don't think you can judge it in yourself i think it's horrible when you're in your head and you can't get out your head. One of the things I had to do in that Amazon thing and it was really proppy and then I had to get really upset out of the blue and then it was fine and then you're doing it again from different angles and then I was like, oh God, I've lifted that boat at the wrong point and I did this at the wrong point. And then you go, no, I cannot get in my head. I need to just focus on what the person's feeling. And, you know, so I think genuinely on every single job, you would say sometimes as well, you try too hard if you're tired or you're not feeling great. or And when you try too hard, it looks like you're trying too hard. That's a real fault with me that I need to watch, that I would never want to let anybody down. So I would always just try, work harder, 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 try harder. But sometimes you need to, the lesson is sit back on it. You know, don't try harder, sit back and let it happen kind of more organically. I think I've, I've learned that over the years. I think if I could go back and watch myself and things, I'd be going, oh my God, that was so rubbish. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes even, you, not that I've watched Still Game a lot, because I don't think many people do watch themselves a lot and things. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you go to the screen and then you go, that was wrong. 
I should have played that a different way or so I, I think you, you should be learning all the time and and also in teaching as well because I still I still teach yeah. on and off and I was in an ESL school called Craig Marlock in Port Glasgow over lockdown it's a wonderful wonderful school and it's the same in that you you, you leave and you go nah those kids didn't they didn't have a clue what I was talking about there I didn't get it right and then you go away and have a think, oh, how could I do that better? How could I go back and explain that in a way that it would click? Because everybody's different and we learn in different ways. And my own kids, both of them are dyslexic. The youngest one. Yeah, really I'm, dyslexic. I'm dyslexic as well. So I told uh, you. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard to me sometimes to, hmm. your brain isn't wired almost in the same way as yeah. everybody else. So the way that he would learn would be different to the way that somebody else yeah. would learn. And yeah, and you zone out. If it's not clicking with you, you just zone out. So I think... Whatever walk of life, if there hasn't been a definitive moment where I went that I learned so much that day. But I would yeah. say every job, all the time, you're learning and changing and trying to get better and just try yeah. not to be rubbish. <laughs> Don't be shy would be my, <laughs> my note to myself. That's a good note, to be fair. Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful. Not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. And I like this is another quick question before I wrap up and end the last sort of two questions of the podcast. But do you have a favorite character that you'd ever had to play that apart from Isa? Like, is there anything else you'd play a character you play that you really loved? I've loved every single character, and I know that sounds really no, and rubbish, but I think if you don't find a way to connect and love that character, obviously Isa's different because I know the bones of her and I've played mm. her for so long. The Granny Murray character as well was great fun because <laughs> you're doing it every day and it's longer. But I think whatever character you play you need to find a way to really enjoy that person and even if it's a tiny wee part it it really doesn't matter because while you're playing them you're them you're in their skin you're yeah even if it's panto where you're not in character you're Mm. obviously talking to the audience and it's big and it's fun it's still great fun to play with it and just to be that I did a couple of wee different plays I've done actually with the Rapture Theatre Company and Michael Evans, he was he, he really was a good guy. He died this year, which was, was very young, it was really sad. And he used to give me opportunities to be in shows where nobody else would have been brave enough to cast me. 
because he would see all oh, your eyes are your comedy you're you're, you're mm. in a box you're this and he would go no 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 I'll give you a part and it would be in you know a Neil Simon play or you know whatever all different really interesting projects yeah and I genuinely really did grow from them and, and loved doing them yeah I remember this was a long time ago but I, I think I told this when I saw you last but I saw you in the sash in Kakodi I went to yeah, see that, that. Was Rapture. yeah yeah and that that was a that that was really a good play I remember that we didn't see that in drama that was I mean I was like 16 or something but that was yeah great at the time that was really interesting well well, that was again yeah and it was Mm. really it was really interesting and you know I think it is brave when somebody says well we'll not just give you sort of a big colorful older woman you know to play we'll we'll give you something that's completely different yeah so really really sad about my collection because there's nobody else who tours like like the, a lot of this the work that he did was kind of classic plays. Nobody else tours that. You might be able to go and see that at the sets or the theatre royal, but it's not coming to your area, to your community. Yeah. And he did give schools and kids and everybody opportunities to see things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't normally get to see. And and some of the in fact, all of the actors that I worked with with Michael were absolutely top notch. Yeah. No, it's very important for communities to get to see stuff like that as well. So that is a shame. Hopefully, like we, it continues to tour and stuff. Yeah, I think he, his partner, Lynn, is going to try to, to keep going. I think she's been doing Lunchtime Theatre. And I think next year, yes, I'm saying I think they are. She is <laughs> going to keep it going. So hopefully that will continue because it, it really it really was worthwhile. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just get a real well, we've got two more questions for you. I really appreciate your time, Jane. Um, but one of the other questions we, we ask everyone, it's sort of the name of the podcast, this whole idea, you know, just get a real job. But what's the sort of worst part-time job or worst real job you'd ever had to work in your career to sort of support yourself as a an actor, an artist or stuff like that? Some of the teaching jobs I've done have been pretty <laughs> tough. Some of them have been, but I've always enjoyed the people I've worked with and I've always had a carry on. So I couldn't really say that was bad because on the whole, yeah. mostly that's been good. Even before I went to drama school, I worked yeah. in a shoe shop and that was quite hard going. It was men's shoes, which is always easier than the ladies' shoes. But I remember if you sold a fancy, which was the spray, like the leather spray or the suede spray, you would get a bonus. And I remember I was so green, I was so naive. And there's this other older woman and she used to say to me, don't worry, I'll take your bonuses to you, to the till. And then at the end of the month, she'd taken all my, my the money for it. She'd taken all the credit and she got all the bonuses from the fancy. Oh, no. I, remember, I was so shocked. I remember my dad said, I'm glad that's a lesson in life. Trust nobody, you know, because I was so naive. She was away upstairs. I'll take oh, for man. you, take the money. But, and I used to arrange, oh God, God forgive me. And I was underage and I used to arrange to meet folk like and say, I'd go, yeah, yeah, I'll go out this Saturday night. Yeah, I'll meet you in Central Station if you buy two fancies. Because <laughs> I never turned up in Central Station, I would just get on. But, you know, that was quite brutal. So only job I think I've ever done where I've not had any fun it was just hard. Yeah. But I feel like you're the sort of person, you probably bring fun to any job, as you were saying. Certainly would bring carry on. <laughs> certainly would be, <laughs> I certainly uh, would be inappropriate and, yeah. and having a laugh. I just um, love, you love that your dad said that to you as well, but that's just like very like, you know, it's a certain type of like West Coast, this, that they're just like, well, you learn not to be naive, Jeremy. You know I mean? <laughs> oh, that's right. You've learned your lesson. You know, <laughs> that's a good, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose that was the job that I enjoyed mm-hmm. least. Every other job, there's been plenty of fun to be had. Yeah. I've been so, so lucky because of the boys that I've worked with, like the boys in Still Game, and it was so much fun. And even that Amazon job that I just did there, like the guys on that were so good. Yeah. 
it was just in, in Pitlochry, Colin McCready and I were at Pitlochry, you know Colin, he was yeah. in Taggart for years, but he's done loads of stuff as well, and we've done tons of jobs together, and the whole cast, Ali Ball, and oh, everybody, in fact, there was a lovely thing, because there was a guy called Connor going, who was in the show, and he was young, he was so nice, and he started going out with the stage manager, and she was called Dana Cumming. <laughs> So we're like, <laughs> if they got married, can you imagine going to the wedding and you walk in and people say, are you coming or going? <laughs> <laughs> so I really, really hope that relationship lasts. Yeah. But it, you know, everybody in Pitlochry, the directors, and ev- oh, it was just magical. And, you know, really two days of heavy rain in the whole season, uh, we did everything outside. And it was just like fairy lights and joy and laughter. And, you know, and you think, geez, Louise. Well, I'm 51 now, I was 50 in the summer. But you think, ah, oh, life just doesn't get any better. You're dressing up, carrying on, doing a show with your pals. The audiences were loving it. They were bringing their picnics and their wine and yeah. kids running about, dogs running about. You're right down by the river. It's the most beautiful place that you could be. I mean, it's just, it's magical. Yeah. I know. And we, we all miss that sort of thing as well, especially after this sort of horrible couple of years we've had. So people probably loved being back at it as well, which adds to the magic. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think as well, it's a different way to do theatre and a way that we should take forward because one of the shows that we did, Wind in the Willows, and um, we used to do that in the afternoons. And it was all these kids would come and usually two, three, four, whatever, you know, you'd be saying to kids in a theatre, sit down and behave and don't, well, they were doing somersaults, cartwheels, roly-polies down the hill. They were, you know, it was so joyous. Nobody had to sit still. Nobody had to, you know, a lot of older people came and they were just maybe in a wheelchair, but they would be all wrapped up. And they just loved seeing all the kids somersaulting past them. And, you know, it really was a fabulous thing to do and can't really... It's a different experience inside a theatre, but definitely something I think that should be taken forward. Yeah. There have been good things of COVID that, that we've all discovered that we could and should do differently. 100% and hopefully that sort of outdoor thing as well is continued because it's it does work really well for some stuff. Yeah. Well, Jane, you'd also you'd given great advice throughout this episode, but so the last sort of question I was asking the podcast is just to get our guests to summarise their advice for like maybe anyone who wants to be an actor or just wants to work in the industry. But I mean, as I say, you'd given some advice already, but what would your sort of closing advice be to anyone in that position? I would say, from my experience, you know, when you leave drama school, don't do stuff for nothing. Mm. Unless it's your pal, like I've I've done stuff for pals, but don't do things for nothing in the hope to get experience, to get a job. Don't do that because nobody else does that in any other industry. If you've been to drama school for three years, you've trained, you've earned the right to ask for a wage. And, you know, just because you're an actor, I think if you set yourself up to do stuff for nothing, it devalues everybody and everything. Mm. Ask for proper wages. We need to all ask for proper wages because what then happens is, you know, I've got friends who now, well, we're, we're all, you know, loads of people earning less than when I left drama school in 1992 because so many people are happy just to work for nothing. That's great if you've got rich parents or whatever, Mm. but not all of us have that. And you need to respect yourself and your profession and other people. Yeah. So what I would say is do that's fine. Do all your student films when you're a student. Do all of that. Have great fun. Do the festival. But my kind of rule to myself was once I left college, 
know whatever the equity minimum is and try to stick to equity rules yeah. and, and get a fair wage and and yes take loads of jobs like TIE's great experience you can tour around you know work hard take other jobs in between to kind of fund you but don't work as an actor for free yeah. go and get a part-time job to you know to, to sort of help out and take a professional job that's paid I know that's really really hard there's very few of them about I know that there's so many people that want to get into the industry, but I just think it's the only way forward eh, to, to yeah. know your worth. No, I, I totally agree. It's something that's come up on this podcast a lot when we spoke to younger people as well. Like, but just so expected, not even just in acting in general, that you just have to go and work for free in this. I used to do work and work on short films for free sometimes. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, why am I doing, you know what I mean? Given four days of my life and you know, I should be getting paid. So it's a great thing. Once you sort of say to yourself, I'm not doing that for free anymore, it actually gives you a bit more, you feel like you have a bit of control as well, which I think is a nice feeling, but it's totally, it's true. It's a big problem. And, yeah. and every single person out there will be, tons of other people that could phone in and say no 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 that's not my experience i can only talk from my own experience yeah but i have a lot of friends who did loads of stuff for nothing for years and it's never got them anywhere also extra work as well i would say don't take extra work leave that to people who are supporting artists let them do that that's a separate thing you go and get a part-time job doing whatever in a bar or something else don't don't do it because once you're kind of known for doing extra work then you're going down a different path as well mm. let the essays do that and you go and work somewhere else until you can get a professional job you know you know if it's a proper legitimate agent that's great they won't charge you to join their books don't yeah. be paying dodgy agents to take you on in the hope that you'll get work that won't work out either you yeah. don't always have to go to drama school not everybody does I know lots of successful people that haven't it certainly helps but it's not essential but yeah. perseverance and hard work really is the only way forward and, and and luck yeah absolutely thank you very much for sharing that advice well Jane thank you very very much for your time it's great to speak to you and have a catch as well thank you for coming on just get a real job oh yes absolute pleasure Jamie so nice to see that dimple <laughs> <laughs> well there you have it that was my conversation with jane mccary hope you enjoyed that one a massive massive shout out to jane again for giving us our time really really enjoyed that conversation it was a great laugh so thank you jane it was lovely to catch up as well if this was your first time listening to the podcast please consider going back and listening to some of our older episodes this was episode 53 we've got lots and lots of great conversations in the back catalog so be sure to have a look at them also if you enjoyed it please consider giving us a little share on social media or telling friends and family to listen sending it to people that might enjoy it we are an independent podcast so anything you can do to help us goes such a long way as does donating as little as a pound a month to our Patreon page there's a link to that in the show notes and also just doing things like leaving us a little review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts stuff like that just is so so helpful but anyway I hope you enjoyed this week's episode thank you so much for listening if you're a new listener thank you so much for joining us as well it's our one year anniversary of the podcast since we launched next week so hoping to do something special for that and wherever you are in the world i hope you're well and hope you have a lovely week just get a real job.